I'm Alan Rolston, and this is High Off Life. Cue theme music. that this episode is late being posted. This interview is with Naomi Harris. She's a photographer. She's done work in Toronto and as well has worked out of Los Angeles and a few other places around the world. She's presently in the middle of a canoe trip from Lachine to Thunder Bay and she's in period garb for the 1860s and she's doing this canoe trip with the intention of following the path of an artist a painter from the 1860s. I met Naomi Harris because she wanted to get some video documentation of canoe paddling in her period costume while in the Ottawa area, in the Rideau Canal and in the locks in particular. I will be shooting some video, but I have also taken the opportunity to record an interview with Naomi Harris along with her guide, Jesse, and a friend who's helped coordinate named Dot, who lives in Chelsea. I'm now going to have to carry a audio recorder with me everywhere I go because I keep meeting interesting people and having interesting conversations and wishing I had recorded them. So when I knew I was going to meet Naomi, I brought the recorder, and that's how we bring you this episode of High Off Life. The interview begins shortly after I get into the transport vehicle with Naomi, Jesse, and Dot, and as we're traveling to the point where we're going to launch the canoe, our discussion unfolds. Unfortunately, I forgot to press record for the real introduction. We missed some there. The next uh, segment is after the canoe, through the locks, putting the canoe back on the car, we go to lunch at a restaurant on the Rideau Canal. That's where the bulk of the interview takes place. All that conversation, done. Yes. I've done that too. I've done that too. I've done so that too. We shall begin. I will ask you the same question. <laughs> I don't know if my enthusiasm will be as high. So, we'll get you high off life. <laughs> I better do a, a quick stand up from a squatted position. That yes, the head rush. <laughs> yes, love the head rush. Because you're low blood pressure. Low blood, blood pressure, and you're overtired. Well, no, but that just happens to me regardless. Anytime. Yeah. Oh. So the for a good time, for a good time, squat. The, the, so the lack of, gee, that's that's that's. There's lots of ways yeah. there. Um, so you, you you mentioned originally when I asked you, mm -hmm. I didn't have it recording. You have not been getting enough sleep because you've been go 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 go. Yeah. And you're doing this, not quite across Canada trek, but you do you're going across Upper and Lower Canada or Lower and Upper Canada sure. trek. In the guise of an 1800s woman who painted. Yes, Frances Ann Hopkins. Frances Ann Hopkins, who apparently used canoe as a way to get places to paint. Well, not really specifically. She went as a passenger with the voyageurs when they were going to go pick up the furs um, at the beginning of the season. I guess she would, they would have left, like, what, the end of April, beginning of May, when the ice would have, you know, melted. And she did that because... Her husband was a big wig in the Hudson Bay Company so he invited her to come along I suppose and um, I guess he was encouraging of her painting and being an artist which is very unusual for that period of time most married women first of all I mean bottom line most European women would not have 
gone on a canoe trip. Um, at the end of the day, the fact that she was able to do that is really remarkable. And the fact that she was married is what granted her access to do this. But most married women would would have been left at home with the kids. Because her husband was, like, connected to the Simpson guy. Yeah, he was the secretary of, I guess it's George Simpson. Yep. And, um, yeah, so that's how she was uh, given the, the access and the opportunity. And... Um, but when she made her paintings, so she sketched on these trips. And the trips were not for her. She was just, you know, tagging along. And um, from her sketches, she then made large-scale oil paintings. And it's those oil paintings that uh, were the last remnants of what the fur trade looked like. Oh. Um, so if, we didn't, if, if she didn't do that, we wouldn't really have any idea. I mean, perhaps there's other paintings, but I think her paintings are the the main images of what the fur trade looked like. And shortly after that, they switched over to steam travel, like by train, by ship. So, um, yeah, it's it's really her paintings that documented this dying moment in the fur trade industry. And you decided to, to do this, this re, uh, re following the yeah. path. Yeah, so I mean, I've done a lot of road trips in the past, and I'm like, I'd like to try to something different. I'm going to do a canoe trip. And then as I researched, I didn't know who she was. And then as I researched what the fur trade looked like, I found those paintings. And then I discovered that they're signed F-A-H, her initials, because in those days she would never sign her work with her real name, Frances Ann Hopkins, as they would not be displayed in museums and stuff. Women because were women not, don't paint. Yes. Because women are, you know, the... the fairer sex and the yes. not as uh, <laughs> exposed if you will so but she was her paintings were in the Royal Academy in London because they probably didn't know they were painted by a woman but um, that said when I discovered all this I was like okay this makes the project a lot more interesting it's not just about recreating a fur trade route it's about trying to find out who she was um, while most people would have kept a journal at that period of time. If she did, none have survived, or that we know of. So we don't know that much about her, except that she sketched in the canoe with her husband and put herself in her painting. So I'm trying to make a narrative between my experience and her experience. And and, the, and you're taking photos as you go? I'm taking photos, but I'm also more having guest appearances by people like you <laughs> to document me it's this is my foray into um performance art if you will i've always been a documentary photographer but um i'm getting kind of bored with photographing other people so i've decided to put the camera onto me and you have a canada council grant to produce a uh exhibition and so this was i was lucky enough to be a recipient of the new chapter grant that they gave out last year for the to celebrate Canada 150 and um, yeah I I'm definitely thankful to the Canada Council for making this happen because I there's no way the whole point of the grant was if we give you this money what will you do with it that will take your practice your artistic practice to a totally different place turn it around give it a 180 and this is it like you know doing performance art from being a documentary photographer doesn't get that much more different right and and you're going to collect how i come to be here is because you want to collect some video of yes of your canoeing in the ottawa area so that means you'll have a collection of video that you'll put together in some way as another piece of art when you're done yeah so like this 
is just the beginning. The canoe trip is like, you know, the, the first step of the project. Like planning and dehydrating the food and getting us actually on the water was step one. Step two is doing the journey. Step three is then like sifting through everything I gather. And that's why I'm trying to photograph and do video more than what I may or may not use. And then figuring it out like I mean as far as a an exhibition I'm hoping to have an installation of like with the canoe the whole reason I'm wearing this dress every day is not because I want to be stylish but because I want the dress to fall apart along the way oh. and so you know at the end of the day after 76 days of canoeing I'm gonna have this document of what this dress looks like now so how many days in are you now this is technically day eight I guess but, Which explains why it looks so nice. Yeah, it's still pretty fresh, <laughs> although it's crinkled. Um, but yeah, like we haven't actually canoed every day. Uh, we, we had a day off on Monday because of thunderstorms. Um, we've had already a few incidences. Like we, for day one, we were supposed to canoe 20 kilometers, but we only canoed 10 because the... Um, rapids or the, the swells were too big on the St. Lawrence and it was dangerous across the bay but we managed to uh, hitch a ride okay <laughs> I was you know a damsel in distress how do you pass that up well exactly especially dressed the way you're dressed I'm trying and I'm sure uh, I just dropped his name Jesse Jesse I'm sure Jesse showed some leg you know to always always yeah. showing a little ankle how did you meet Jesse? How did, did you know him before this? Or? No, I had to put a call out for a guide. Um, Dot, who is driving us right now, um, really was instrumental in helping me plan this trip and uh, putting together a, um, a call for guides. And uh, we put it on a Facebook group and had a bunch of, I had a, a good number of responses, but after looking through the different resumes and the reason I went with Jesse and it's just so funny, it, it, it so happens that he lives 10 minutes from where my parents live in Toronto, so it was very convenient. But the real reason I picked Jesse was because he had gone with the group last year with the Métis group, um, recreating a lot of this uh, journey. Like, So he's done a lot of it. So, okay. yeah. So Lachine to Thunder Bay. Yes. So the largest chunk of it's to come oh yes we we've just the tip 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 <laughs> and you said you i heard you said you dried food so you're you, you're basically carrying what you need just like we you... have food drops coming we have uh we've already packaged a lot of stuff so like uh sending food with to to people so when we arrive we can restock our pantry cool Hopefully. <laughs> All right. So we, we, we had a couple of the dehydrated meals. It was, um, you know, people are always talking about like, oh, my God, camping the food so great. And I don't know. And I made the food. So, <laughs> yeah, like I'll eat it. I wouldn't if I wouldn't um, I wouldn't send it back if someone else made it on the canoe trip. But if I was served that in a restaurant, be like, I might, no, thanks. yeah, I, I wouldn't exactly give it a five star review. OK. So, and what we're going to do next once we get out of the car and get the canoe in the water, tell us what we're going so, to do. Yeah, so basically we're not canoeing much of Ottawa, but I wanted to get in and get some footage of, you know, what it looks like here um, and going by the Parliament buildings, going in the locks, because I think it will be really fun for the video later. And that's where you come into play, and I appreciate you coming out today. Um, and, yeah, so we're just having a little paddle, and then I'll be returning to Henry's to uh, possibly buy another system to replace the system that fell into well, the under, water did yesterday you, did you buy a warranty or whatever with i it? 
did. Does that help? I don't know. It might, though. I think that's if it breaks. I don't know if that counts. If, like, I think you'd have to physically have it in your hand. Oh, So yes. we might get it back. We'll see. Because we'll the scuba see. divers are out looking for it now. This afternoon they're going to go. Yeah. 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 Well, the next one, you're going to have flotation device. Yeah, you're going to hook me up. You're going to teach me. You're, I will. I hope you have some free time today because I really I <laughs> could will. use some and help. What, what day do you leave Ottawa? We're gonna, yeah. We were going to leave today right after this paddle, but now we're either going to leave this evening or probably tomorrow morning. All right, so we will have more conversation later, but let's okay. go get you in the yes. water. Yes, thank you. I have like um, a similar to this, and it has a mic, and I have like a port, and I have a lavalier, but... It's not working. Like if I put the lav in, the, it doesn't record. It's just straight up. So mm. I was a little annoyed because it's like, it'd be nice to, while canoeing. There's so much time to just share some of my deep thoughts. To write poetry. Well, I'm not really a poet. <laughs> write prose. Write a novel. I do actually funny haikus from time to time, usually to do with like millennials or upstart oh come on Let's, i want to hear one well oh, i don't have one now oh. but it's like it's like it, sometimes when i'm in the if the spirit moves me while i'm traveling i'll just be like you know i, I think the only thing i could make up right now would be a limerick <laughs> now, there once was a woman from there once was a woman from toronto who what's dirty that rhymes with toronto no no not dirty limericks are always that's, dirty they don't have to be yes they do, do they i think that's be? the definition of a limerick oh i, I didn't know that <laughs> there once was a woman from toronto who had to canoe somewhere pronto that's good as fast as she went hmm. Her. she paddled so quickly she you know, see, I, yeah well, see i need to be canoeing to you know quickly. have time enough to do this you have a few hours to work on it. So um, this was a short little, like, what's the longest day you've done yet? Um, our third day, we started in from, we were at, staying at a public, like, soccer field that they, it, Hudson, I think it was? Hudson, yes. And then um, we paddled, we were supposed to end up at Voyager Provincial Park, but just before the park, about a kilometer out, is a Carillon Dam. And oh. we were supposed to go up the lock there, but we missed it by 15 minutes. Oh. So we portaged. <laughs> Yay. Three up and downs, because it was very vertical. It was a much more vertical uh, yeah. portage than this. That's a, yeah, across the fields, up. Yeah. And you have to go around the fence. Yeah. That doesn't sound like fun. No. Not at the end of the day. No. And it, we were battling upstream and headwinds the whole day. Oh, and that was the day that we were also battling. It was Sunday, so there were a lot of boaters out. And it was a very busy channel, and we had to cross it. Oh, we boaters. Crossed Those it. boaters. Yes. <laughs> Dang boaters. Yeah. Little buzzards. Then you've got jet ski people. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, and, uh, we had those. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no end of yep. yeah, mechanized. Fun, and then fun, somebody fun, falls fun. and they come back and pick them up. Yeah. And then yeah. spray you. And... Sorry, I didn't see the fourth one there, guys. Oh, that's right okay. Right. We, we were hiding. Thank you. I think I'll also do the chicken and roasted pear salad. That sounds really lovely. It's the most popular for the salad. All right, look wow. at us, Don. Oh, we, are we know. In, 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 in. 
You know, I gave up drinking a year and a half ago, like New Year's Eve, not this past one, but the one before. Not that I was a big drinker, but I just want to focus and like, I find when I drink the next day, I'm just like a little foggy headed and, and I like to, like, I don't drink often, but when I drink, I like to have a few drinks and I, mm, that was good, I'll have another. And then you'll be foggy headed the next day. And then day. the next day, like not vomiting, not like hungover, but just like not sharp. And I figured there's not enough years left for me to not be productive every day. Maybe I'll start drinking again eventually, but right now, and I don't miss it at all. The clarity of mind is... Yeah, it's good. I remember when I was much younger, before I ever started drinking at all, I used to sit around and kind of go, what are these people doing? Everybody had a good time last night, including me, but they can't get up today. Right, right. And I'm up doing stuff. What the hell is that about? And, and then when they do show up, they're all upset if I talk to them. They're all grumpy. And I did skydiving, I was a skydiving instructor for about a decade, a little more than a decade. And every morning it would be a nice day like today, sun comes up, I'd be like the only person who was sober and, and out enjoying jump. it. And everybody else would be like hungover or whatever and uh, I can't get I don't get it. But these people who would be all partied out and couldn't jump on the nice sunny day, they'd be all bitching and moaning when it wasn't a nice day. It's like, well... Mm-hmm. Right, sure. You missed three or four of them in a row there. Right, right. So I always found that really bizarre. So I never really, once I discovered a beer I like, uh, I would have a beer with dinner maybe. But I don't think I ever drank more than two in a row. No, I was more a cocktail drinker. Good Manhattan or, you know. I lost you. Where'd you go? So what, what brought you to uh, move to... Um, Los Angeles. Have you been? Yes, a few times. It's beautiful. The yes, sun's but, always shining. But like, why that place versus another? Well, I lived in New York for 15 years. I lived a couple years in Miami. Um, there's a lot of. I mean, there's good work in LA, but the photo industry has just changed so much anyway. So. It's not as, for me, it's not working, or I'm not working as much as I used to, so I need to figure that next stage out of my life, and um, yeah, I just like, I went out there to shoot the Hello Kitty convention in 2014, Halloween 2014, and I had spent the previous winter in Toronto um, with my parents, because I had moved out of New York at that point, and my parents, or there was a... um, that was the year of the polar vortex where like the weather I mean you laugh because you're here in Ottawa but in Toronto it doesn't hit you know minus 17 Celsius very frequently or whatever so like it was miserable so my dad was coming to meet me in Las Vegas after the Hello Kitty convention because I drove out there and um we just like a few days before he came out it was November Buffalo had six feet of snow and so I was like, I'm a U.S. citizen now. I've got my dog. I've got my car. I don't need to go back to Toronto. I can just stay here. And I have more friends in L.A. than anywhere else. So, yeah, it's, I like it out there. It got too expensive, though. Oh, so you're not there now anymore. I just went out there a couple, like, just two weeks before the trip to pack up my stuff and put it in storage. Because I was living with somebody, a roommate, and I didn't. We weren't particularly getting on anyway, and like the idea, and I couldn't find a subletter, and the idea of paying rent in a place that, like, if it was like a great deal, like my rent was seven hundred bucks, I'd eat it. But like when I'm paying fifteen hundred bucks, no, it's 
Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm planning when I finish this trip, I go to Switzerland a few days later. And then if all goes well, I might be going to Japan in October. So, you know, if you don't pay rent on places and you're living with your parents at 45, you don't uh, mind, like you can, you're, you're free to travel a lot more and you don't worry like about missing the rent checks. So when you were working actively in Los Angeles, what was the kind of work that was most I mean, I do portrait. That was me. That was me. Okay. <laughs> it's not you. No, mine has this. I was. Um, I'm a, like I do um, portraiture mainly, or my own projects. So I was in the process of working on a book for a while, like putting it together, and then I did a Kickstarter for it. So then, you know. To be honest, like I haven't worked that much the last bit, so but I find you know what to do. I did go to Burning Man last year for AARP, so that was a good job that gave me a good chunk of change that kept me going for a while. But um, AARP is AARP is like CARP, American Association of Retired Persons. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they do some good projects. So okay, so would you be doing portrait photography there, or was that a? A different kind of photography. <laughs> oh, there I was photographing people who are, well, you're not allowed to call them seniors, according to, uh, they don't like being called seniors at AARP, but like people, and now a senior is considered anyone 45 and older. So I was looking for older attendants at Burning Man. So it was mostly, yeah, I photographed some people. So I was doing video and stills. Okay. have alarm, juvenile fledging, which is like a baby. Cool. Yeah. In the tree. I, most of my most of my interest in video has been until recently, uh, short films and feature films, and it all started because I thought I was going to do commercial kind of like I don't know like training video stuff back in the companion is the main one. 2007. I think it was 2007. Or well, that's when I shot something. So I must have had this. I had the interest in it before that, but somehow I perceived there was a. Because I well, I started out as a skydiving videographer in in the 90s, and that's what kind of got me into video. Was mostly using it initially to for training. If I if you're a skydiver and you are trying to learn how to do something and you're having a hard time, and you can't see yourself. Oh, that's it. You were photographing, filming other people for them. Yeah. Interesting. And then using it to train, like you know, show them, okay, this is what's not working here. And then you start doing things like souvenir videos or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. videos and stuff like that. Oh god, some, did you do a lot of weddings? No, I've never done that. Oh okay, I thought you were saying that you were shooting weddings. Oh, no, I never videos. ever went there. And everybody I, I've talked to has, who has done it is just like, Ugh, you know, and it's... It's bridezilla moments they always talk about, right? That's why I don't shoot weddings. I mean, there's all sorts of things I can do as a photographer, but... I don't mind doing editorial stuff. I wish I was doing advertising, and I'd like to try to get into that more. But um, I want to do the advertising so I can make money, so I can do my art. I've met some people whose their full-time occupation is headshots. They have yeah. elaborate sets of gear that just yeah. for headshots. And I think, well, that must be a competitive market. I'd rather do something else, like for photography. Like if I'm taking pictures, I want it to be... I don't know. My vision, not yeah. Not to say there's anything wrong with it, but I'd rather work at Trader Joe's or something. I'd like to be, or I'd love to be a dog walker. I would do, or doing. Um, I've been considering doing dog grooming, and then maybe. Uh, 
do grooming slash photos. I did a bunch of, I did a series recently called Hollywood Forever. There's a cemetery in LA called Hollywood Forever. Yeah, so these you've got are, Forever is on your website. Yeah, 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 I just put that up recently. So I want, those dogs are all Instagram famous dogs, but I want to do, you know, just like amazing dogs in Los Angeles. Yeah. So it'll happen soon. I mean, I've got two months of canoeing first to get done. Well, who knows what you'll see along the way? I mean, you, you, are you, do you have your camera with you? That yeah, you not with me here, here but I have the Sony with me. Yeah, but, yeah. like, it's hard to shoot while you're in the canoe. Yes. Um, so it's more about, like, figuring out when you're going to photograph and set it up yeah. then. How are those beers, guys? This is good. Yeah? Parched? I actually think I'll get a bitters and soda, maybe. That's a good idea. I love a bitters and soda. This is good. Yeah, at home? That's what oh, I do. I make fizzy water. Is that mine? Yeah, that's yours. Yes. My lemon and so at home I, I oh, there you go. I, at home I, I do this kind of all day. I have a, a yeah. bottle or two of water that's in the fridge, and then I have a few lemons, and I just you know cut the lemon in half and squeeze the lemon out of it until it's done, and then go to the next half and the next lemon, and I just it's kind of my go-to. I guess it was at least 10 years ago, maybe longer, I started giving myself sugar days. So I didn't want to cut out sugar 100%. Mm -hmm. Twice a month. I'm allowed, like... Oh, that's a good way to do it. And the thing is, like, I'll have... Can be your plate? Sure. I'll have um, fruit juice. Like, so here's my theory. If it's been sweetened by maple syrup or applesauce or honey, I'm okay with it. I'm just white refined sugar, corn syrup, that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you can, my, not that I'm going to have a beehive, but if I could have, if I can make my sugars myself, thank you so much. Can I trouble you for malt vinegar? So like, if I can make the sugar myself, like I could tap a tree, I can have beehives, coconut sugar is a very easy process, then I'm okay with it. But if I can't, then I'm not going to eat it. Oh, so you're staying away from all the processed these sugar. That's, yeah. Yeah, all together, which is... Which is what's bad for you. It's not maple syrups and honeys and stuff like that. Yep. So anyway, I did that, you know, and on those sugar days, I would be like, at the beginning, I'd be like a heroin addict. I would like lay out all my gear in front of me and do a ton of sugar. <laughs> I would like mainline it. But then over time, I just stopped being interested in sugar. Last year, I went off the wagon because I was doing a very big road trip and I was living in my car and so sometimes I'd have dinner of Skittles and you know Starburst but I'm and I was off it since New Year's but like right now with the canoe trip I'm allowing myself to have sugar because I can already see we've only been doing this not, lots a, of calories. not only so. even five days and I'm already like I can see it in my face how much weight I've lost so I'm allowing myself sugar but once the trip's over I'm back to no sugar well, our bodies were meant to work, and I'll often say in a conversation like this one, we've created an environment for ourselves that we have yet to evolve to function within, because our body doesn't want us to be inactive, yeah. but we've created this place where we can be largely inactive. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it progress, though? <laughs> well, it's something. Um, our bodies evolved to be active, right? Yeah. Like, you take any animal and deprive it of activity, it gets sick. Well, I always laugh at like, when you go by a gym, like a cross training gym, and they're like lifting 
tires and ropes and it's like you're doing manual labor as a workout <laughs> yeah yeah yep. i i know a guy at carlton u he's a professor he has a treadmill in his office and his desk mm. is i heard him on the cbc once years ago he he started the standing desk guy i know mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about so he's walking at his standing desk it's like okay cool um jim davies I don't. Yeah. I remember hearing him on the CBC. Very interesting guy, and he's originally, I guess, from Georgia. Hmm. Not Peterson, so. Georgia. Well, Georgia. State or oh, I'm good. Thanks. You pronounce it two different ways because there's the Russian Georgia. Georgia. Oh. Gotcha. Yeah, the American one. Yeah. Yet. Not far from the from the sea. That looks wonderful. I'm saving my fish and chips because I <laughs> I figure there will be many. Although that's a nice looking tartar sauce with relish in it. So is that an LA number you got there, so? It's a New York number. New York number? Oh, New York. <laughs> Same number since 1999. With a New York number. It's in LA with a New York number. I'm international. Holland, how did you get into videography? Well, after truck driving. Via skydiving. I was into it, like, I started, because I was editing before there was computer non-linear editing. You know how you edited back in the original day? It was... With a snip and tape? No, you had two VCRs. One of them had a oh, flag wow. and race head. Oh. And you just basically copied. And when you saw the part, you saw the point you wanted, you hit the flag and race head release so that it would start copying. And then when you hit the point you didn't want or about to hit... And then you could back and forth with the flying race until you had the right spot to cover the part you didn't want. And so that's how editing worked for me. A lot of people have done that. And then, excuse me, and then digital came along. And, uh... Oh, it's easy. Easier. Yeah, easier. And then uh, I was going to do, uh, like, training video, kind of commercial, industrial kind of stuff videos. I forget where that idea came from. So I ended up buying this really nice digital camera. They could shoot HD in the early, it was an early HD prosumer thing. And then I didn't, for some reason, do anything with it. And then I heard a thing on CBC one day. It was a film festival in Kingston. And they were looking for submissions. Okay. And what I didn't get until I delivered my movie mm -hmm. was they were really calling for people who had already had a movie in existence uh -oh. to submit. I went and shot a movie and then submitted it. <laughs> and when I delivered it to them, I had asked him ahead of that, so what's the deadline to send it, send it to you? And his answer was kind of like, what do you mean, what's the deadline? Send it now. And I said, well, I don't Thank you. I don't have it ready now. So how late? What do you mean you don't have it ready now? No, oh, I'm shooting it. He says, oh, you're going to shoot a movie and submit it. And he said, oh, as long as you get it to me, you know, by this date, which is a couple of days before the event, you know, we can look at it. So I drove it because Ottawa, Kingston, yeah, yeah. I drove it to him. And... Um, he looked at it and he sent me an email. I said, oh, okay, we'll screen this. Like, okay, cool. You're probably the only person who's ever done this. So I I had two months to of, of 
basically a living hell experience learning that, oh, shooting a movie is nowhere near as easy as you thought it was. <laughs> but, once I've done it. that, then I understood, okay, if I was to do it again, you know, now I know what I would do different. And then, I had an idea for, uh, you guys remember the, uh, the base commander of CFB Trenton? When they found out he was a, a mass murdering... Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I love that. Yeah, so that kind of inspired me because there was other things that had gone on, but that one, I said, clearly there are all kinds of these uh, psychopaths or serial killers or whatever that are so good that we don't even know they're out there. So I had a script um, idea. The nurse? Oh, my God. Yeah. What, Law? Mm-hmm. I love that she went as the Grim Reaper for Halloween. <laughs> I mean, that's just like... That part I did not know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It came out in the trial that, like... Just this week. She dressed up as the Grim Reaper at the nursing home for Halloween. That (laughs) she was killing all the people. I mean, come on. So, I had this idea for a script that focused on the the monsters among us. That was the Mm. working title. The monsters among us. As in, these are the ones that are never going to get caught. So, I set out to shoot that, which would have been a feature film. Which is really a dumb thing to try and do, go from a short to a feature. Okay. But then I ran into all kinds of problems because, for example, the cast that I got that I thought were going to be good, they refused to study their dialogue. So to shoot a scene with them, I had to feed them all the lines. Like, no, I want to shoot this much more organically than me feeding you every line. It actually sounds really funny, the behind the scenes. Like, I mean... Mm Mm-hmm. So you gave up on the movie? Well, yeah, eventually. And then I went back to making some shorts, and I was trying to meet more people who were more professional-minded. And what I discovered was, after creating a film festival and gathering money to give prizes, like I, I awarded $20,000 worth of prizes over Amazing. four or five festivals. And What was the name of your festival? The Sparta Film Challenge. Neat. But there's there aren't a lot of non-hobbyist filmmakers that are easily detected. Most of the people you hear about, they're just hobbyists. They have no interest in improving. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and it, it, it's embarrassing to be hanging around a bunch of people once I really understood what they were up to and they, they, they refer to themselves as filmmakers. It's kind of like, I think the, the quest for improvement yeah. somehow needs to be there to be, really be a filmmaker. Did you ever see American, what was it, American Horror Story? No, that's the TV show. Amer- American Movie? Is these two guys trying to make a horror film the documentary is about them trying to make a docu or a horror film, and it's it's so painful because it's so bad. And they're like, they need two thousand dollars, and he's trying. He gets his uncle to give him the money, and he's like a really old dude, and he's just like he has one line in the movie. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. Jesus told me so, and it's it's really because it's the guy's trying so hard to make this movie and it's just failing so badly and you can't you can't make a movie that bad that easily either right like it's just mm. those are the kind of documentaries I like where like yeah. the poor schlub like I don't know if you ever saw Anvil the story of Anvil mm-hmm. they were like they actually grew up in my neighborhood in Toronto but they were like destined to be a really big heavy metal band and um, they went to Japan they played with like at a festival with like Metallica and you the movie starts with all these 
big slash all these people talking about how amazing they were and like one works at a senior center one works doing meals on wheels and it's like I actually bumped into one in the parking lot at Bathurst and Shepherd. I'm like, oh my god, it's Lips! And yeah, it's pretty funny. So but they, like, they had a band that was popular. But because they were from Canada, they never got signed. They should have, like, they just, they missed the um, window of opportunity. And they're still trying to do it, but no one cares about hair metal. So they still try to, yeah, it's a really interesting movie. Hmm. Highly recommend it. And it's just called, what's it called? Anvil. Anvil. The story of Anvil. Well, there's the, there's the room, and now they've done the mm-hmm. making of the room or whatever. I didn't see either one, but yeah. There's a few people. So I helped shoot a movie last, last summer here in Ottawa, and I've seen a rough cut. And I'm kind of impressed. It's like, this is looking like it's going to work. But I know why it works is because the guy actually had a lot of people look at his script mm-hmm. and he did rewrites when people said this doesn't work he, you know thought about it like okay it? how am I going to fix this and and then he got three very good cast members to play the three leading roles they're only like early teens or le- not even teens kids but he got three good kids that do the role well wow. mm. but this is Jamie I'm sorry this is yeah James. James yeah yeah how do you find them? How does one find such people? Well, he had worked with two of them previously uh-huh. for a short film he made for the Sparta Film Challenge. Hmm. So it almost won that event. When all the scores were tabulated, he was one point away from first place. Aww. So it was all that separated them was one point. Should have so, given it to both. Well, yeah, exactly. So well, There's a lot of, I think, equipment sharing... Nice. Yeah. Community type things. Although, James and I both did the, and I think a, lot, a few other people we know have done the same thing. It's like, when you do that, everything's going to line up right. Yeah. And then you, you also have to be aware that every once in a while, like James loaned somebody some gear once and it all came back and it wasn't in great shape. Oh, yeah, you have to know who you're loaning to. And I said, so have you learned your lesson? He goes, what? I said, about loaning your equipment to somebody without you being there? I said, I don't loan anything to anybody. I said, if they want to use it, I'm there. <laughs> That's how it works. Or, I mean, it is kind of like, I was brought up, you return something back to somebody in equal, like in better, in, yeah. in yeah. good condition or leave, better condition. And the problem is different people, they don't even, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, yeah. the point is that it might even still be functional, but it didn't have a hole in it when I gave or it to you. Or a big dent, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your idea with the post? Drilling well, a hole. If you had a hole drilled and yeah. something could be fixed mm-hmm. that could be then, you know, attached to something else that would go anywhere you wanted it. Yeah. Sort of like a, a T type where it can pivot or... Yeah. yeah. So then you know it's not going to fall off because it's anchored, fixed. To that spot not suction cupped yeah and then whatever you like you, you know Ooh, we should find out if Paula if they've gone scuba diving yeah. yet <laughs> soon yeah so if you if you've got that you, you know you put a big washer underneath it mm-hmm. whatever through so it's bolted on and then that thing connects to something else and there are you know, all kinds of ways you can do it and then you have at the top end of that is you've got your camera mount point 
and this whole thing should be fixed. Like you could fix it in position, and then it's not going to fall off because it's bolted to the canoe. Yeah. Thinking about <laughs> if I kept my old tripod, I might still have it. Thank you. Well, there are there are things called monopods. Mm -hmm. like the monopods are too. They're kind of pricey. Well, oh, I have one in Toronto, but it's too long. Yeah, most of them are probably. I'm trying to think if anything's like. If you had a piece of. There must be bolts that are like universal bolts mm. that you screw in things. Do you fancy a trip yeah. to Henry's? I still, I, I don't know. I still. Yeah, we could do that. I got to be home by five though. Okay. Um, and you're leaving Street tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, we have to go just tomorrow. Just to squeeze back like this? We're here yeah, too long. Is, and it had rubbers on the inside. Though. I do. I got that. Where's your next uh, well, no, enter the water point? The Dot, where's our next enter the water point? It's Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Driftwood uh, Provincial Park West area. West Petawawa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And are you the conveyance? Oh, yeah. And that's tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow is what? Saturday. Is Saturday. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Which was our original shuttle day? Yes. Yeah. Wait, are you guys visiting from somewhere? Uh, we, we're on a canoe trip. Technically, you are. 76 well. day canoe trip yeah, from Lachine yes. to Thunder Bay. Holy. Yes. From where to Thunder Bay? Lachine. I am too, technically. Okay. So we started this is, about this a is Ottawa ago. proper. Oh, I'm from an amalgamated oh, part of awesome. Ontario that became part of Ottawa. So I'm visiting too. Yeah. We're all visiting. Uh, we're, we're making our way. Camp, are you doing camping? Yeah, yeah. Aliens. That's yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's a great way to spend <laughs> summer. Yeah. It is. It's the best. Yeah. Did you want me to bring you any dessert? Oh, I don't care for any that. Did I'm going to pass. Thank you very much. Good. Do you want a coffee? Okay, so maybe we'll just get the bill. Thank you. Yes, please. So here's what I'm thinking. Uh, the oil. So what time are you leaving tomorrow? From. We we'll try to leave. My house. It's so as soon as we're. Which we're gonna, we're gonna go back to your house and, and load the car tonight as much as we can. Yeah. yeah. And tomorrow last minute stuff. So. You'll have to name if you want to be up at five or six or seven. So I just saw your face. <laughs> I think if we have wheels rolling by nine, is that? Oh, I was thinking wheels rolling okay, by eight. Okay. Seven. Okay. Okay. Six thirty. It's so thrilled to see you properly covered up when you came in. Oh, thank you. I and mean, now well, I'm, in I'm a hussy. And I don't see a lot of people <laughs> properly covered up. Oh, you mean because so. of the sun? Yeah, because oh. of the sun or modesty or whatever, you know. Well, I'm I, not so modest now that I've <laughs> dropped the top. There's a down. story behind this, though. Okay. It's not for covering up for the sun. I'm canoeing um, with my guide, Jesse, from uh, Lachine to Thunder Bay as okay. a British painter, Francis Ann Hopkins, who oh was in the 18th or 19th century, so 1860s garb. So it's not actually... Is it really warm in that? You know, surprisingly, it's not so bad. Like with the life jacket on, it gets warm, but uh, we're, we're our canoes in the parking lot. But um, oh God, we'll keep covered up. <laughs> <laughs> I know my hands are starting to get pretty dark, and, and you, then it's young gonna... man, you need to wear sunscreen. Enjoy your paddle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nice to see you. Like this episode and follow our SoundCloud page to be notified when the next episode is published. Follow us on Instagram. That's Instagram.com/slash Life Off High. 
like us on Facebook, High Off Life Podcast. Check us out on iTunes. We're there as well. And you can email us if you want to be a guest or if you want something in particular discussed at highofflifepodcast at gmail.com. And the theme music you heard is by Ben Kissner. And you can get a hold of him at, at Ben Kissner, which is B E N K I S S N E R. Thank you all for joining us. We'll drop another one next week. Stay well, stay healthy. Cheers. <laughs>